lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV. Radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. As we continue on Throwback Jersey Week, it's a perennial occasion on this show, which is basically just an excuse for me to wear sports jerseys and not real clothes. Uh, Wearing the Barry Sanders throwback on the program today, and it's kind of symbolic to be wearing it on July 28th. Because it's not just my birthday, but on July 28th, 1999. Oh, happy yeah, thank you. On July 28th, 19. 19- that was very awkward. <laughs> you did it. I did. <laughs> but my, uh, that wasn't to fish for that. I was making a point. Uh, he just awkwardly interrupted, and now I'm like, completely thrown off. On July 28th, 1999, I woke up to some of the worst news of my life. The Detroit Lions opened up training camp that day, and Barry Sanders sent them a fax. Remember those? Aaron's like, what is a fax, right? You remember yep. those, right? Yep. Yeah. Barry Sanders sent them a fax announcing his retirement on my birthday. I was so despondent, so absolutely despondent. I waited for 40 minutes on hold to call into the Fabulous Sports Babe show to convince. Do you remember the Fabulous Sports Babe on ESPN Radio, Todd? I do. Do you remember that program? Yeah. I, I did. I, I waited on hold for like a half an hour to get in to Kvetch. I was inconsolable uh, at this news. And, you know, I don't know where the fabulous sports babe is today, but to her credit, uh, she did attempt to patronize me accordingly for my despondency. So today is the, uh, that would be what, the 23rd anniversary of that forsaken event. And I think just in the last couple of years, I have been able to forgive Barry Sanders for it. Oh. You know what they say, facts don't care about your feelings. That's right. It took me a while, but I decided to go ahead and extend forgiveness to Barry Sanders for doing that to me on the, my birthday. The nicest, classiest guy perhaps ever in pro football. And I held like a 15-year grudge. <laughs> nice. Remember that whole thing when he wanted to go play for other teams, we found out, and the Lions were like, we're not letting you go. And I remember, I was, don't ever let him go. Make him rot for what he did, okay? But now another 23 years of being a Detroit, see what, what really did it is another 20 years of being a Detroit Lions fan. And then I realized, Barry, okay, I mean, I realized why he did it. Because the only way I've been able to survive this long as a fan of that team, and you, you see it on Sundays, it's just to troll it mercilessly, all right? To just give them some of what they have given all of us all these years with one playoff win since December 28th, 1957. That is a true fact, by the way. Yeah, you clearly back then did not understand. I didn't yet. The Lions I religion. I had hope. I had hope. No. Yep. I needed to understand you don't keep hope alive when you are a Detroit Lions fan. And that's where you find your hope. You take the black pill. That's what you do. You just take the black pill, raise the black flag, jump on Twitter, and metaphorically start slitting throats on game day. That's what you do. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, Speaking of of slitting throats, uh, based on what is coming up in Aaron's montage, there will be some of that we will discuss. So let me cool you off before we get there with a reminder about our friends over at Tyga Coolers. If you are, you know what? We are, what, a week from today is the Hall of Fame game, Aaron? Yes. I said I got to it before you did. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that before we picked the most serious moment of the show, and then you butted in with the Hall of Fame game is a week from now. (laughs) 
you know. Because you know that was coming. Normally. You know, know I'm going to lose my mind. I'll I'll become unhinged, and some other former employee will be writing about it at Mediaite, and then right in the middle of my unhingement, Aaron will blurt out, one week from today is the Hall of Fame game. You know that is coming, so I just wanted to get that out of the way right now. Normally, I'd feel patronized, but actually, I think that's probably a good That's probably a, a good uh, diagnosis. Indeed. There. So, one week from today, a Hall of Fame game. Four weeks from Saturday is the first weekend of the college football season. Dublin, Ireland. Because when you think Dublin, you think the Purple and the Cornhuskers. But here we go. Right before you know it, man, games that count. We got Noah's high school schedule yesterday, and you know when the team meetings and parents meetings are. Before you know it, it will be tailgate season. So get your cooler now. From our friends over at Tiga Coolers, T A I G A is how that is spelled. T A I G A. They have premium cooler coolers, all American made, customizable, provided it's not a copyright infringement, uh, and lifetime warranties as well. They do phenomenal work. All of us have gotten custom have gotten coolers from Tiga. They're really cool. If you want to get one, you can get it for ten percent off with the promo code Steve right now. When you go to TaigaCoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A, TaigaCoolers.com, use the promo code Steve for 10% off. All right, coming up at the bottom of this hour, we are going to begin a series looking at attorney general candidates around the country. Because what we have seen here the last couple of years, for example, with COVID and a few other things, is this now, state attorneys generals are becoming Right there, right below governor, the most important office holders we have today. So we're going to take a look at a few candidates for state attorney general and size them up. We will start that today with former Kansas Secretary of State and Trump administration official Chris Kobach. He will be joining us here at the bottom of this hour. Theology Thursday is coming your way at the top of next hour when we continue our look at my new book or most recent book anyway. Uh, Do What You Believe. It's not new. It's a year old now, but it's my most recent book. Do What You Believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer and then Aaron heads up three non-political questions is how we will round things out but before we get to all of that let's go to Aaron again for what happened while we were away what happened while we were away brought to you by recession the Bureau of Economic Analysis unveiled the country's gross domestic product numbers for quarter two of this year, and it shows the United States economy contracted by 0.9%. This is the second straight quarter of a contraction of the country's economy, meaning our current situation does indeed fit the definition of recession. Joe Biden released a statement on the second quarter GDP report saying, among other things, quote, we're on the right path and we will come through this transition Stronger and more secure. But it's not all bad news, according to White House economist Jared Bernstein. But there's also some positive uh, news that we should not overlook. I mean, the, the price at the pump is now $4.30 a gallon. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about Biden's $2 trillion spending plan. Uh, great, but so as you talk about plans on the other side, mm-hmm. it was this president's plans that contributed to inflation, right? No, it was not. A federal judge in Cincinnati has blocked the Biden administration for the foreseeable future from forcing the COVID jabs on members of the Air Force, Air National Guard and Space Force who had requested religious exemptions. Listen to this very carefully. A new study out of the Netherlands shows researchers there could not find a, quote, mortality reducing effect of vaccination in that country after vaccination and booster campaigns. The study also states, quote, We did find a four sigma significant mortality enhancing effect during the two periods of high unexplained excess mortality, end quote. 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has filed a state complaint against Miami's Our House Bar this week, alleging the bar exposed minors to sexually explicit material in the form of a drag show. In the complaint, if it's followed through, it would also strip the bar of its liquor license since the bar produced a children's menu as well. Well, first of all, there was a video out of Dallas where they had all these young kids putting money in the underwear of these drag queens at a bar, and that's totally unacceptable. And I said that at the time. Then what happened was a week or two later, there was video from a, a place that had similar stuff. And then that was identified as being in Florida. So we said, wait a minute, having kids involved in this is wrong. That is not consistent with our law and policy in the state of Florida. And it is a disturbing trend in our society to try to sexualize these young people. That is not the way you look out for our children. You protect children. You do not expose them to things that are inappropriate. And finally, the latest and a special production from Anna Dace. Happy birthday, Steve Dace. Happy birthday, Mr. Dace. Big fan of your show. Keep up the work. Hey, Steve. Happy birthday. Today, we get to celebrate the only time that you've ever won a race. So I hope you enjoy it and have lots of cake. Bye. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Steve, Steve Dace. Dace. I love you. Hey, Steve. Happy birthday. I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you so much for just being a skeptic on Fauci COVID from day one. Thank you for not being like every other average Republican conservative pundit that's just repeating the same things over and over again. Um, I love to watch you guys so much. I love your banter. And like you, I'm looking forward to college football. My Georgia Bulldogs won last year. That was awesome because the last time they won, it was before I was born. So, yes, college football. Have a great day. Happy birthday, Mr. Steve. Happy birthday, Mr. Dace. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Steve. Hope you have a great day. Thank you guys for all that you do from one Gen Xer to another. Happy birthday, Steve, from Andrew Hansen in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Love your show. God bless. Happy birthday, Steve, from the North Pole. I know how much you love Christmas, and it's only 149 days to go. Hope you have a wonderful birthday with lots of syrup. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were also asked to send in a birthday message, but declined. P.S. Fauci wants a signed copy of the book. Happy birthday, Dad. I love you. And that's what happened while we were away. You can't do that. I can't come on and be Steve Dace after watching that. You can't do that to me. That was too nice. That was too kind. Just, just read the news for 10 seconds. You'll get there. All I'm right. Sure. Uh, somebody just say Fauci 10 times. Get me back where I'm in the mindset I'm we supposed to be in. We need a mirror for that, don't we? That was, that was tremendous. That, that was very, very kind. Thank you, guys. Yeah, the vaccines didn't keep anybody from dying. Yes. How does that help? Well, that's one point. Maybe a lot more people would have been in that video if it weren't for the jabs. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> there we are. There's the pivot. I'm back. I'm back. That'd have been a longer video of a weird for this. Took total joy and transitioned into pure death in like seven seconds flat. I dare you to do better, America. <laughs> At least it didn't get Buddy the Elf. So. Oh, that the Elf thing was really cool. I really liked that. Um, and he's right. It is 149 days until Christmas. I updated it uh, on my Christmas countdown calendar at home this morning before I came into work. I know, <laughs> Actually, I know you did. 
It's true. I really did. I know you did. I really did. did. I, I, I Googled how many days until Christmas and updated my countdown calendar at home that's sitting on the mantle in our living room. Yeah. That's a, that is a true. <laughs> I mean, last week the Blaze asked me to do an impromptu video on something from my house because it broke after we got done with the show. And so I just filmed it from my family room, but all the Christmas stuff is still up in that room. <laughs> we did take it down. So I'm doing this video on this really serious topic. <laughs> and our stockings are over my shoulder. <laughs> it's the middle of July. That is that is a Steve Dace that gets yep. right there. Yep. Okay. <laughs> the... the I know you love these contradictions. You find them fascinating. Uh, uh, Ron in our ear says his Christmas tree is still... We took the tree down. I at least did that. But all of the stockings and family room stuff, you know, like the the Christmas collectibles, that stuff's been up this entire time. Yeah. So seriously, that was very kind and very nice. And I really appreciated it. Thank you very much. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at ScoreMaster. I've been mentioning to you that uh, we have the, the lowest rate of new mortgages in this country in 15 years. That means we are going prior to the 08 housing bubble collapse when they really put the screws on who could even get a mortgage after that. So that just goes to show you how uncertain everything is. We had another uh, sizable uh, increase in interest rates yesterday. What was it? Three quarters of a point, I believe. Mm hmm. You know, I mean, we were already at mortgage thirty-year mortgage rates that were double what I more than double what I got for my refi at the end of last year. So now more than ever, it is vitally important for you to make sure you maximize your score to get the best opportunities for you. Uh, whether it's a home loan, a refi, uh, a business loan, an automobile loan, uh, check with our friends at ScoreMaster. They will show you exactly why we used this last year to help get us help us get an obscenely low interest rate for our refi. They will show you exactly why you have the score you have and then uh, plot out a course for you to get to exactly to the score you want to or need to get to. And at that point, you'll decide if you want to partner with them to do that or not. Go there, find out how many plus points they think they can help you with for free, and then make the decision if you want to sign up. When you go to scoremaster.com slash Steve, once more, that is scoremaster.com slash Steve. We're going to spend the bulk of our time here on this Dutch study, but I, I do want to quickly go to the statement that DeSantis made there. And did you notice what he did there? Very clever. And I don't think it was accidental. He began by pointing out that this was previously going on with drag queens at a bar in Texas. You know, the, the blood red, don't mess with Texas, that this was going on there. And then didn't add that anything had really been done about it because nothing was. Because it's not blood red. Um, don't mess with Texas. It's mess however the hell you want with Texas and provided it's a Republican messing with you, you'll just totally take it. It's that Texas, right? That's what it is. And give the guy 75% of the vote in the primary while he's doing it to you. So that's 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 the Texas that it is, right? So And send your emails to Abbott instead of us. Yeah. Um, I, I will put them in the I don't care any mowo file. That's what I'll do. And I'll even hum you some Phil Collins while I'm doing it. But... Um, so he does that, all right? Makes it makes he points out, yeah, I just happened to see this was in the news and the text of blood red state Valhalla, and then I couldn't believe that it happened here in Swingy, Florida. And so um, let me tell you what I did and what I'm doing right now is I'm I'm uh, we're, we're 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 going to Thunder Mountain here, 
Okay. Fire up the thunderstruck and we're dropping the hammer on these people because I'm not one of your uh, metrosexual fake conservatives just using talking points. We're actually uh, creating action points here in Florida. I'm, I'm the guy making Florida what you think Texas is. That's, that's branding is what he is doing right there. And I, I found that to be very effective. He didn't have to make that point at all. He didn't have to bring Texas into the conversation at all. He could have actually done fairly. If he had done effective branding by just saying, we will not permit this in our state and do something about it, that would have been effective enough, yeah. right? But the fact he chose to introduce into evidence how soft-bellied y'all have gotten down there in Texas, all right, and the leadership you will put up with, and then contrasting that with what he will actually do about it in his state with far fewer advantages culturally than you have in a state like Texas, that is quality branding. It's also subtle. And if you start forecasting to how this process may go next year, there are two challenges for Ron DeSantis that he has. Number one is he's got to close the name ID chasm. And it's pretty clear that he's going to have an ally that um, that that Trump had the last time. It's, it's pretty clear that Fox will be more pro DeSantis than it will be Trump. I mean, when you're running Mike Pence's speeches instead of Trump's, that ain't for ratings. That's personal. OK, so that'll be a huge advantage because the reality is that is still by an order of magnitude, the most prominent platform on the right is Fox News. So he'll, so they'll help him close the name ID gap. But the other thing he has to do is figure out and this is going to require some subtlety, frankly, because you are trying to differentiate yourself from Donald Trump. But on the other hand, you don't want to necessarily attack him. You wouldn't exist without him. You're kind of the offspring of his era. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you don't want to insult his most arduous supporters because all the same polls, the nat- all the same national polls, which don't matter, but the same ones that show that he's blowing you out also show that if he weren't in the race, you'd be getting all of his voters. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's no po- you get nothing out of so uh, going on offense that you piss off his voters because they're your voters, too. So th- this is going to require some subtlety. And. That's what that's what caught my eye is the ability to thread needles like that, to say things that are very glaring without actually having to say them. But then and, and they're open for interpretation, but you don't require a Rosetta Stone either. You'll pick up what he's laying down. And and that kind of messaging, if he's going to truly take on a king next at this time next year, I think that kind of messaging and branding will be will be vital because you want you want if, if if this thing goes to pot you want trump to be the one that kicked over the lantern to start the fire first that you want to make it look like he couldn't handle it he couldn't take it so he went there and made it personal and you know and uh and said and said things like i liked first ladies who didn't get breast cancer you know like he said about i like soldiers who didn't get captured like about mccain you want to provoke trump to do stuff like that you don't want to marco try to marco rubio this thing where you try to step to trump with his own game and then he just embarrasses you in public right that's what happened to rubio and all those guys so that kind of subtle but obvious messaging that needle threading will be vital to desantis if he wants to challenge trump next year do you guys want to comment on that before we get to this dutch study he's got the record to allow him to do it i mean it'd be much much harder to do if it was all rhetoric based with a meager record no politician in Recent American history has a better record uh, to run on and to do this. It's it's authentic. Yeah, and and just underscoring this as well, 
notice that DeSantis both threatens his political foes, both threatens them, and then follows through with action, whatever he can do. Now, this is just a state complaint. Sometimes it's a piece of legislation. A lot of times it's a piece of legislation, but he does something within his power. He acts affirmatively upon the power that was given to him to actually follow through on threats against his political enemies. And as we've said before, governors like Greg Abbott govern from uh, govern from consensus, which is a poor way of governing because mm-hmm. you're always going and you end up pissing off everybody. Mm-hmm. Governors like DeSantis govern by creating consensus, by clearly articulating what is right, what is wrong, what I'm doing and why it's in my power to do so. That creates consensus. I used to say this a lot when we were more of a political show. So based on what you just said, Aaron, you kind of triggered me to reset this. So I'll close this line of conversation with this. The difference between Ron DeSantis and most Republicans, and and frankly, the difference between the, the Republicans you like and all the ones that you don't, is a guy like Greg Abbott, um, he wins to he he wins to lead. And that's what you're talking about. How do Correct. I build a consensus to win? And that consensus then, that, that makes me the least polarizing figure I can be, allows me to win, and then I get to lead. The problem with that calculus is you're always playing from behind because you're always gauging what will offend the people who will always hate me and never vote for me the least before I go there. What DeSantis is doing is he is leading to win. He is saying, if I am a good leader, I will get rewarded by voters. So I'm going to start with aggression. I'm going to solve my problems with aggression. I'm trying to hammer that point home to my teenage son right now. Solve your problems with aggression. Don't be uncertain. Don't don't, don't knowingly make a bad decision, Noah. But making any decision is better than making none. So solve your problems with aggression. It is better to make a bad decision fast that gives you time to then correct it than to make no decision and the entire opportunity has passed you by, right? That's leading to win. I'm going to lead, and as a result, if I lead well, then the results will take, the electoral results I desire will take care of themselves. So now this Dutch study, and I want to let you know that I have this study up on all of my socials right now, except for Facebook and Twitter, because I'm pretty sure this study would get me banned because that's where we are. Um, So if you want to go to at real Steve Dace, I'm getting emails from people that are telling me they're searching for Steve Dace on Truth Social and my name never comes up because I'm shadow banned there. I've I've, I've added 7,100 followers in three months. That's nothing. Okay, for a show of our magnitude. So I'm shadow banned there. So I'm again, I might be the only man shadow banned on Trump's Truth Social and Facebook. But here we are. All right. So uh, look for at real Steve Dace on Trump's Truth Social. You'll see this study there. It's uh, at Steve Dace show on uh, or at Steve Dace on my uh, getter or Steve Dace show on getter. And then at Steve Dace on Gab and Parler. And MeWe, all right? So everything other, all of our social medias other than uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. I don't I don't run those accounts. My daughter does. So, But those are the ones you'll find it on. Look for me on Gab, Getter, Truth Social, and MeWe. You can get this study yourself. It is a preprint, which means it is up for peer review. I should remind you, from the very beginning, no country did a better job of providing clear and transparent data on COVID than the Dutch did. Uh, The Dutch were the first people, the first country to give us stratified death data 
on COVID-19. That was back in, I think, April or May of 2020. <clears throat> Often we had to go to Dutch data uh, early in the in the in the COVID, the, the lockdown phases of COVID to get real data of what was going on. The Dutch were to COVID data what the UK and Israel were to real-time vaccine data last year, where they were giving us real-time data, and then they wanted to stop giving it to us because of what the data said, okay? So I think that's important because as someone that has, I mean, the, the list of people that have researched more data on this than me is short. Guys like our own Daniel Horowitz, maybe a Justin Hart, maybe an Alex Berenson. It's a small list of people that have looked at more data on this planet that aren't, you know, professionally paid to do so than I have the last few years. And I can tell you that no, no country's data has been more transparent and more reliable than the Dutch data has been from the almost the beginning of this uh, farce going on 29 months ago. So I think the credibility of the country that this data is coming from matters quite a bit. And what they did here is they compared uh, you know, rates between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. They looked at it even on a county by county level, even within their own country. And the money shot here is what Aaron cited during his montage. And I want to repeat it to you again. <clears throat> this is very reminiscent of what DeSantis's office did in the summer of 2020 when they looked at mask mandates county by county in the state of Florida and found nothing mattered, whether there was a mask mandate or not. It did nothing. There was no demonstrative spread in any of, I think it's 60 some odd counties are in Florida. There was no point of any spread. Remember, there was a there was a Harvard study that was done last year that could not find any correlation between jab rates and infection rates. Remember that study? Mm -hmm. and, and remember how we walked through the data in that study last year and how random it was. Like you would have Spain and Portugal heavily jabbed countries right next to each other, and one country's infection rate is, 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 is has exploded, and the other one was was small. It was random. There, there, that there was nothing you could show that really dictated one one axis on the chart or the other. That's not good, actually. That's not good. That this is you. You want some order. You want to be able to look at something and draw some level of conclusion from it. When you read a box score to a, a game afterwards, you should be able to look at it, and you can't tell everything that happened, but you would get the gist of why the result happened by reading the box score, right? Yeah. When you read the box score of the jab data, it doesn't tell us any. It tells us nothing. Nothing. I mean, nothing. It's just random. Until we get to this, quote. We could not observe a mortality-reducing effect of vaccination in Dutch municipalities after vaccination and booster campaigns. Let me read that again. We could not observe a mortality-reducing effect of vaccination in Dutch municipalities after vaccination and booster campaigns, meaning we could find no correlation, correlated data that it actually reduced serious infection leading to death. We did find... A four sigma significant mortality enhancing effect during the two periods of high unexplained excess mortality. We did find a four sigma significant, for those of you who went to public school, that's a lot. We did find a four sigma significant mortality enhancing effect during the two periods of high unexplained, high unexplained, high unexplained excess mortality. This time last year, our median age of death in America plummeted from 78 to 69 right out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. 
Do you know what it would take in a country of this magnitude for the median age of death to plunge almost a decade just instantaneously? Poison? Poison would do it. A mass poisoning campaign would do it. Depopulation campaign. A mass depopulation scheme would do it. Sure. I mean, a, a series of cataclysmic natural disasters would do it. Did we have those at this time last year? No. no. A nuclear war or a war of weapons of mass destruction would do it. Did we have that at no. this time last year? No. no, we did not. What did we have at this time last year? Poison. That's what we had. A depopulation scheme. It goes on to say, quote, our results add to other recent findings of zero mRNA vaccine effectiveness on all cause mortality. Zero mRNA vaccine effectiveness on all cause mortality calling for more research on this topic. If we lived in a sane era, this would be the lead news story in every Western newscast. Even if they wanted it debated, even if they didn't want to accept the results, but this would at least be cause for, for coverage. How many of you are hearing about this study for the first time here in the last half an hour on this program? I had not heard about it until Daniel emailed it to me this morning, first thing. That was the first I heard about it. We got about a minute, Todd, or 30 seconds. Todd, your thoughts? Well, they're going to gaslight you unless you make them pay hard. Hard. Millstone hard. We'll come back. We'll begin our series looking at state attorney general candidates around the country with Chris Kobach from Kansas here in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. You know, there are just, frankly, just not a lot of options these days um, uh, to only do business with people that aren't, forget sharing your values, trying to end them. Uh, unfortunately, we live in an era of corporatism that has become fascism. Uh, that's why, for example, when they tried to turn you into a lab rat last year, they had the private industries doing it. Because they're mostly on board with most of the regime agenda. That is why when the opportunity does present itself, and luckily, one place it does is with a product we all pretty much have to use these days in, in modern society. That's our mobile phones. Check out our friends over at Patriot Mobile. Make the switch. And I know what you're thinking. It would be a big hassle. I'll lose signal strength. I thought those things myself. We finally made the switch last fall when T-Mobile, we were clients there for over 20 years, when they announced they were going to start censoring text messages if they didn't like what you were saying about uh, the, the scamdemic, that was the tap out. Finally, I probably should have had 15 tap outs before then, but that was when I finally reached the point. All right, I just have to salvage whatever shred of dignity I have left and eject. But then I just braced myself. What is that process going to look like? They handled it perfectly. And then kind of like Aaron Rodgers in those commercials, I wonder if I got the Steve Day Show kind of customer service here. But I've heard from so many of you that made the switch that they did a fine job with you as well. So I'm fine now recommending that they know how to do this to make it as seamless as possible. And you'll pretty much get the same coverage you're already getting because everybody pretty much uses the same towers. So make the switch today. And when you go to make that switch, if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you do. And they will hook you up with even more savings. 
savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, you can get a free activation right now with the offer code Steve when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Once more, patriotmobile.com slash Steve or try just giving them a call at 972-PATRIOT. Well, speaking of confronting this scamdemic, it has become very clear here in the last couple of years that state attorneys generals are going to be vital frontline I wouldn't say generals, those are the governors. How about colonels? Good frontline colonels leading battalions here in America's cold civil war into battle. They are going to be among the frontline officers most important. So over the course of the next uh, few weeks or a couple of months here on the show, we're going to look at a couple of state attorney general candidates and find out if they're up to the task of joining those ranks because there is strength in numbers. We don't want the same handful of state attorney generals all the time. We want more of a systemic, comprehensive movement. One of the first attorney generals we're going to look at joins us now. His name is Chris Kobach. He was in the Trump administration, former secretary of state in Kansas. He's now back in his home state running for state attorney general. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you with us here today on Blaze TV. Man, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So give us your background, first of all, and why you're running for state AG. Well, uh, I going way back I, in college, I uh, graduated top of my class at Harvard and then went to uh, Oxford University for my doctorate in Yale Law School. Uh, I was a law professor for 15 years teaching constitutional law. And uh, then I became the secretary of state of Kansas and brought in what I would argue are the toughest anti-voter fraud laws any state has in the country. But uh, during the past 20 years, I've also been litigating um, against the ACLU, uh, defending counties and cities from Maricopa County in Arizona all the way to Hazleton, Pennsylvania. And uh, I have sued either the Obama administration or the Biden administration four times, uh, defeated them twice, and two cases are still pending right now. So, you know, suing a president who is violating the Constitution or violating federal statute is what I do. And we need more attorneys general in the country who are willing and have the experience uh, to stop the Biden administration in court. You know, you mentioned that in your intro that a, a governor, you know, might be the general and the the AG might be the colonel. In many ways, the AG, stand, the state attorney general stands apart from all the other conservative elected office holders out there who can help because a governor in this situation right now doesn't have the authority to stop a Biden executive order uh, by himself. And similarly, a member of Congress, until we take over both, both houses, doesn't have an authority, but an attorney general of a state uh, can go to federal court. And if God willing, he gets a, a judge who is impartial, a judge who is not an activist, uh, he can stop the Biden, administra- Biden administration cold in its tracks. And that's why I'm running. Uh, I've, this is kind of what I do. When you hire an attorney, you hire an attorney who has those skills. And uh, I'm running so that I can wake up every morning, I have breakfast and think about my next lawsuit against Joe Biden. And it won't just be for Kansans. It'll be for all Americans. The more people we have in the state attorney general offices like this, the better. Right now, Texas is leading the charge. Texas has brought over 20 lawsuits against the Biden administration, uh, winning the majority of them. Others are still pending. Uh, we have to realize that this is it's, it's what's called war, lawfare, mm-hmm. legal warfare. Mm-hmm. And right now it's our best approach to the Biden administration. Yeah, that was a, a tip of the cap there you just gave to Ken Paxton, who's the AG down there in Texas. Uh, and in his case, he clearly has been the general and not the governor. And I'll just leave it there. Uh, but in, in your state, uh, ground zero uh, in the in, in the in the world post Roe v. Wade. Right. And so we have had Roe v. Wade overturned 
And now the the shibboleth that we lied to ourselves about for many, for decades, that we couldn't possibly come up with creative ways to try to stop this until that was overturned. Well, that shibboleth has now been smashed. All right. And so this now becomes literally a molecular, granular, city by city, state by state, county by county battle legally across the country. Your state is about to take center stage here. You have a, as you know, a referendum on the ballot here. When is that, by the way? When is that referendum on the life issue? When's that vote? That referendum, that referendum is on Tuesday, uh, just a few days away. And it's extraordinary. It's the first statewide ballot issue uh, on the issue of abortion since Roe v. Wade's demise. And the reason it's on the ballot is our state Supreme Court, which is unfortunately very activist and liberal, uh, in 2019 issued an erroneous decision inventing a state level right to an abortion that is even broader than the Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. right to an abortion was. It's found nowhere in our state constitution. But uh, the, we, the people of Kansas, have an opportunity to correct that by passing a constitutional amendment that simply says there is no right to an abortion in our state constitution and that the legislature has the authority to regulate it, just like every other legislature in America. Um, if the And that's the yes vote. The pro-life vote is the yes vote. If the no vote side wins, and there's tons of money coming in from out of state, uh, Kansas will become an abortion oasis, a destination state, unfortunately, uh, where all, for, you know, it's a good thing that many of the Midwestern states, adding Texas there in there too, are taking steps to uh, further restrict abortion. But uh, Kansas, if the, this ballot issue goes the wrong way on Tuesday, Kansas will be wide open uh, for abortions, and it will be horrible uh, for the pro-life cause and very horrible for my home state. So this is the first test of grassroots, on-the-ground strength post-Roe v. Wade. I've seen some polling of your state that has the life side winning by a few points right now. But your your challenge as AG, if you were to get elected, would come in after the win, right? Because they're not going to say, oh, shucks, we lost to the voters. I mean, if that same Supreme Court, state Supreme Court thought that it had standing uh, to broaden even beyond Roe v. Wade, I don't know why they just wouldn't try to overturn the referendum of the people. We saw that in California with Proposition 8, right? And then when they overturned it in a federal court, a, a constitutional amendment to the, in, in California on marriage, and then when, when, when they brought a countersuit, the U.S. Supreme court ruled voters don't have standing to actually defend their votes just disenfranchised you know eight and a half million people that voted for marriage in california without any legal precedent whatsoever to the it was so it was so over the top that antonin scalia made the unusual step of personally criticizing by name the his fellow justices that made that decision so the idea that a court a state supreme court like yours is just going to say Shucks. I guess we'll move on to the next issue. If you guys win that uh, referendum, is not accurate. You're going to have to defend that thing in court, right? Absolutely. And this is where, you know, my background as a, as a constitutional law professor comes in. This is a, it's, it's unusual in this, in our country's history where a state Supreme Court issues a bad decision. Now that's not unusual, but where the people of a state come and correct that decision through a constitutional amendment, it doesn't happen very often. And because it is a fairly untraveled road, there is the potential for mischief, as you pointed out in California. Uh, I hope and pray that the Kansas Supreme Court, uh, if we pass uh, the the vote yes cause and, and we vote for life on uh, on Tuesday, I hope and pray the Kansas Supreme Court doesn't do that. But if they do, there will need to be an attorney general in place who can push back and make the right legal arguments and, and win the legal battle. The other thing is, uh, 
when we win, hopefully, on the pro-life cause, uh, we've got to get our pro-life laws back into place as quickly as possible. And that doesn't necessarily happen automatically. Some of the laws, there are two that were struck down specifically by the courts in Kansas, uh, are going to need to be rebuilt, so to speak. And there are actions the attorney general can take that can make that happen more quickly. So you're absolutely right. The pro, the, the battle over life does not end with the demise of Roe v. Wade, and you, it does go to the states. And in Kansas, uh, we are we are ground zero in this battle because uh, there's going to be a lot that needs to be done to protect uh, unborn babies in Kansas. Chris, in the time we have remaining, I want to go to what I call COVID stand, okay, which, has, which is using the a virus as a means by which to violate every constitutional norm, every codicil syllable of the Helsinki Accords or the Nuremberg Code, and, and, and any, you know, just Western notion of bodily autonomy. We criminalize your breathing. Um, you are not your own. You have the right to kill a separate being that resides in your own body temporarily at any point, of course, but you have no right to not be a lab rat for unregulated uh, pharmaceutical companies that own the FDA and CDC. Give me, first of all, do you even agree with the characterization I just made? Yeah, I, I think your characterization is accurate. And I am involved right now representing 36 members of the Air Force who are suing because they suing the Biden administration because they have been denied uh, religious exemptions to the vaccine. So they are you involved faith, in that case that just got the just got the stay yesterday? Are you involved in that case or is this a separate case? This is a separate case. So okay. there are several p- cases that are parallel right now. Our case rests on the same issues. Our case is in front of the Eighth Circuit. That case is in Ohio, which is in the Sixth Circuit. Um, but yeah, they're all moving together. One of our cases, including also the uh, the case down uh, coming out of Texas in the Fifth Circuit for the Navy SEALs, one of our cases inevitably is going to get to the Supreme Court. But we are moving together in unison with these various cases. I represent members of the Air Force as well. Um, it's outrageous what's happening. Just to give you some numbers that We'll put it in, in, in clear focus for people. The Air Force is about to fire hundreds, hundreds of pilots. And right in, over the idea that the pilots cannot have a religious exemption, but never mind, the Air Force is allowing thousands of people who seek medical and administrative exemptions to the vaccine. The Air Force says, oh, yeah, sure, we can find a way to keep you in the Air Force. But if you make a religious uh, exemption request, then you are going to be told no 100% of the time. And that's one of the things we proved uh, in the lower court is that in the very few cases where the Air Force says they granted uh, a religious exemption, it was because the guy was leaving the Air Force within the next six months anyway. And so the Air Force wasn't granting the religious exemption. They're saying, well, you're gone anyway, go ahead. And so this uh, th- this hostility toward religion where they favor secular exemption requests and they disfavor religious requests has no place in the United States of America, has no place in the US military. And as attorney general, uh, if, if these uh, these mandates over vaccines keep coming down the pike in this effort to control us in a way that the founding fathers never would have thought imaginable. If this continues, state attorneys general, and most importantly, Kansas, we're gonna be knocking at the courthouse door and we are going to be bringing lawsuit after lawsuit if they continue to violate our constitutional freedoms. Um, but in, in the meantime, uh, I'm hoping to obtain relief for the airmen I represent uh, before January. Well said. Final question. You, pro- you would agree, I would guess, that you have standing as a state attorney general that if Washington passes a statute that you believe is unconstitutional, you have standing as an attorney general to challenge that that statute, correct? 
Yeah, this is something over the past 20 years that this, the, the federal courts have really broadened. 30 years ago, the answer to that would be, well, maybe. But today, uh, it, is, it is different. Uh, the courts have made it very clear that if something Washington does that uh, affects your state's budget or affects across the board people's rights in your state, okay. then almost certainly the state will have standing to sue. Then do you think you have standing to sue to overturn blanket liability protection for pharmaceutical companies because my understanding is that was done via statute back in the 80s uh if it can be shown that that affects the budget of a state then absolutely yes there would be standing what about you also said though the the comprehensively the rights of the people of that state as well right that's the the that branch of standing is, is a little bit more difficult to, to travel but potentially there but if the budget then definitely and so either there and I think there are going to be many more lawsuits uh, on brought by states over this whole pandemic lockdown vaccine mandates restrictions on our freedoms I think withholding of information from the public uh, there are going to be more lawsuits than you can imagine that potentially will be arising in the years ahead and and we absolutely uh, need to protect our constitution and, and hold the federal government accountable Chris if people want to learn more about your campaign how can they do that uh, they can go to our website, and these last few days are important. If people chip in even 20 bucks or 50 bucks, it will help us put more ads, especially on radio. We're put, as soon as the money comes in, we're putting it on the air. Uh, ChrisKobach.com, K-R-I-S-K-O-B-A-C-H.com. Um, it would be very helpful, and I appreciate you mentioning that. You got it, brother. Good luck to you. appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. All right, some thoughts on the conversation we just had. Can you imagine... A conversation even remotely like that happening with Bill Barr? Oh, no. 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 First of all, I can't imagine him engaging a show like ours that would dare even ask those questions. Getting outside of the Overton window that he is accustomed to within District 1, okay? Where all that's required of you on the right is to play the bagpipes and sip water with a, in, in, a, in a snarky fashion and instantly be feted by click right-wing clickbait mafia yes yet bill barr was our ag right correct yes good times i imagine if we just had you know this this is the beautiful thing as well you know courage is courageous or is contagious i should say courage is contagious but this is kind of the beautiful thing though um it doesn't really take that many people to be courageous look at Look at what Ron DeSantis has done from the executive branch down in Florida. Imagine if we just had two or three attorneys general across the country who brought in unison and working perhaps in tandem some of the, the things that we talked about here. That actually, you know, if they if they work in tandem, if they have a good plan, uh, they can force the issue. It doesn't take that many of them, at least I don't believe, to be able to... Uh, whether it's uh, maybe ending blanket protection for for big pharma, mm-hmm. certainly ending the mat mandates, the 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 jab mandates and things of that nature um, across the board, it really I don't think will take that many of them. You just have to have some people who are courageous, and then um, you know as it as it stands in Kansas, you got to have an electorate there who have eyes to see at least broadly speaking. And saying, hey, um, you know, this guy, this guy actually might get something done, might actually stand up for my freedoms and stand up to a tyrannical federal government. Amen. That's why we're doing a series of these AG interviews to see if we can contribute to such a coalition that you're talking about. 
emerging. We'll come back hour two, uh, starting with Theology Thursday is next. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Don't forget you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, uh, and also TikTok and Instagram. And then you can find us, I think, good luck, I mean, Everybody tells me they cannot, they search me, they can't find me. Uh, I, I hope if you click follow at Real Steve Dace on Trump's Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace, maybe that will work, but I, I can't guarantee. You can also get clips of the show at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show, and those will be free to watch and free of any censorship. And then also, if you're a podcast listener, thank you so much because you're a big part of our audience. Please, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow because that helps to grow the show. Thanks to so many of you who've done those things for us already. And if you've got a question that you would like to have considered for an upcoming Ask Me Anything, drop that question inside your five-star review and you will go to the head of the line for consideration. So uh, thanks again to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one. We also appreciate our friends over at Home Title Lock because they don't want you or to happen to you what happened recently to a real estate agent in Arizona. Went to work, check the MLS listings, see what's trending, you know, what's new in the market. Huh, that house looks familiar. Oh, wait, it's mine. That's my home. And I'm pretty sure I didn't put a sign in my yard. So what's going on here? They found out the hard way They were victims of home title fraud. This can happen because our home titles are kept online in public databases that can be hacked. Scammers go in there and make it look like you've sold your home to them on a quick claim deed. And before you know it, you might end up being uh, blindsided like this. And here's also what you need to know. Your homeowner's insurance and your mortgage lender, they can't protect you from this. But this is what Home Title Lock does. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that if they ever detect anything nefarious whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down. And right now you can go register your address at HomeTitleLock.com for free to see if you've already been victimized before you get blindsided for free. When you go to HomeTitleLock.com and then while you're there, get 30 free days of protection for your sanctuary, your home at promo code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's promo code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to it. Theology Thursday. We continue with my most recent book. Do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer. The chapter we're going to look at this week, if you're following along, and there are still, I'm guessing, a few copies on Amazon if you want to join us in real time with the study. Uh, The chapter this week we're going to be addressing is called Balance. And Todd, because you're the one that came up with the questions here in the book, you get to ask them. And the balance Steve is referring to is that between grace and truth. Question number one, how unique is the lack of balance in the modern church? Is this a timeless problem? Does it have historical parallels? Or are we living in times the likes of which we have never seen before? I I, I think that complacency is not new for God's people. I mean, we could go to Old Testament Israel, for example. And, you know, one morning the northern ten kingdoms got up and tended to their crops and, you know, and fed their animals and married their daughters and married their sons, you know, I mean, they, I mean, went to, 
Uh, you know, they opened up the Torah. I mean, just just any other day. Thought it was just going to be like any other day, right? And all of a sudden, there is an invading army called the Assyrians, and they are here to put bits in their noses, and and that's the people they don't kill, and then lead uh, their best and brightest uh, off uh, into Babylon, and those ten kingdoms are lost to history. It wasn't a day like any other day. Fast forward another you know century or so, and we go to the southern two kingdoms, the last of the two tribes that are left. They get up one day, same thing. Tend to their crops, tend to their, uh, tend to their animals, tend to each other, marry off their children. It's not going to be a day like any other day. Nebuchadnezzar is outside the city gate laying siege to the city. This will be the end. The ark to the covenant will be lost, which means the tablets God gave to Moses will be lost to history. The nation will be lost. The temple will be destroyed. And even in these final moments, when God sends a prophet named Jeremiah to warn the people that this is coming and not to rebel against it, they're like, well, we got, you know, make Israel great again, bumper stickers on the back of our uh, wagons here, you know? I mean, we got like, you know, red hats on our donkeys. You know, we still got the temple over there. We've got this nationalistic pride. We're not going anywhere. What are you talking about? Wrong. Just a bit outside. So this is not new. Messiah arrives and the religious authorities are like, we don't care about all these miracles. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Complacency in the face of paradigm shift or calamity is not new for God's people. We are sons of Adam. What is Adam doing as sin is entered into the world? He is given dominion over this world. He is God's prefect. God's potentate, God's vicar. He has the power to rebuke the enemy. He has the power to appeal to God in this moment to, do, to rebuke the enemy. But what does he do instead? Nothing. Complacency. So this has been going on, man, for a while. Okay? This is not new. What is new for us in, in the pro, still fairly prosperous West is the levels of complacency that we can fall into. That is new. Meaning like other societies previous to us would have reached a breaking point long before this. The project that Daniel Horowitz and I are finishing up that we're going to be announcing later this summer will have a very provocative title. I promise you by the time you get to the, you'll bristle at it at first. By the time you get to the end of that project, you're going to think we should have named it Our Ancestors Shot Redcoats for Less Than This. That is what is new. The the, the threat of complacency numbing our senses to the reality of the depths of the problem we are in, not new. That's been going on since the third chapter of Genesis. And since that's only three chapters into the entire human history story, it's been going on pretty much for Evs. That's not new. What is new is that we can bury ourselves in a level of complacency that no previous generation of our species could. And and that has created this doctrine of non-confrontation. It's created that. Like, look at what Jeremiah has to say to the people. 
When the people are faced with calamity, judgment, he has to tell them not to rebel, not to fight back, right? That's what he has to tell them. Don't fight back. This is your judgment. If you accept it, you're, oh, you deserve it. You went into the Valley of Ben-Hinnom. You threw your babies into, into, Malo- into Malok. You did this. You deserve it. You have it coming. You have betrayed the covenant. God is out of patience. Accept your punishment and it will go well for you. He has to stop them from fighting back. <laughs> I'm about to preach. You ready? You ready? Listen to this. In our era, we have to get you to fight back. In our era, God's like sending you all this stuff thinking, maybe this will rattle your cage. Maybe this will do it. Maybe this. No? Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, how about castrating your sons? Well, that, no, no, that won't do it. Okay. Um, Isaiah 1, where um, would you get uh, yeah, Exactly. Maybe, uh, raping your daughters in the, in the girls' bathroom. Boys get to do that at school. No, no, that won't do it. Well, I don't know. How about we just criminalize breathing? I mean, literally, literally, just what are we going to, what's it going to take to get the blood pump in here? What's it going to take? And that's part of the judgment is that your women will fight your battles for you. Your women will go to the Rite Aid or Costco without the mask. Your women will go to the school boards while you're at home. That's part of what's going on here. In Jeremiah's day, it was, I know what your instincts are, but they're wrong this time. In our day, it's like, I know what your instincts are, but they're wrong this time. Your instincts suck. Your instincts are to stay home, vote your way out of this. Passively, aggressively, tweet. Ain't going to cut it, man. Ain't going to work. And... Let me put it this way. There is a notion out there that if we are if we are good and kind to all that that will show them the love of Jesus. If I put a a turquoise picnic table in my front yard then the the drag queen story time hour cavalcade heading down to the library a block or two from my church we'll see the turquoise picnic table and the fresh cookies you baked and they will stop and say you know heck man we were going to go over this library here in the suburb and soul murder a bunch of kids but you put a turquoise picnic table in your front here in the in the front in the yard and the cookies are fresh and you have me completely and totally rethinking the fact that i have Um, mangled myself. I have completely mutilated myself. Let's talk. No. No. That won't work. What this culture needs is truth for all. That's what is lacking. I can't find any equivalent anywhere in the scriptures, not a singular example 
of change happening widespread within a people by the ba- via the methodology of the modern American, especially evangelical church. Perpetual love and kindness. Well, snap, man. Why didn't God think of that? Why didn't God just say, you know what? <laughs> Jeremiah, sit this one out. In fact, build a turquoise picnic table. Just park it right there in the front row, right, you know, right there on the street corner there in Jerusalem and just bake some fresh matcha, matzo bread and, you know, leave the leaven out, of course. And, you know, Netflix and chill. Have a car show. There's a lot more going on here. A lot more. We're past the you can satiate this point. As you like to say, we're at post-argument. And I wonder, here's, here's how you can ask, here's how you can find out if your church is out of balance or not. Ask yourself this, a series of, this, of these questions. If during your church service, the drag queen story time hour magical mystery tour showed up at the library, the public library in your town or just down the street, maybe from your church. And at the same time, your services were going on, decided they were going to soul murder some kids on your tax dollars. Would your church say anything about that at all? How about if they pulled into the parking lot of your church? If they pulled into the parking lot of your church, emptied out the kids from the back, and just started decided we're gonna you know twerk and tea bag them right here, and we're gonna we're gonna soul murder them right here, right here in the parking lot of your church. Would your church say anything about that? How about in the lobby, like the service is going on, and they just walk right in, so the foyer lobby's empty. You're all in service, getting your sensory experience on. And in the lobby, in the foyer, literally D. Snyder looking chick or 12, dude looks like a lady, walks in, grabs a once upon a schlong storybook, wearing nothing but a, a, a pasty uh, over a genital and just starts soul murdering the kids right there. Would they say something then? Or would it still be like, you know, we, you know, that's out there. We got to, you know, we're just here to love people. What is the confrontation point for your church? What, what level of evil could be introduced? Let me put it another way. You live in a community that decides, hey, we got to we got to we got to obey Biden's school rules that we won't be able to do school lunches this fall unless we let the boys into the women's bathrooms. So we're going to do it. One of those boys sodomizes and rapes your daughter like what happened in Loudoun County, Virginia last year. And it's and it's and it's and, and, and it's your church in your youth group. Do you believe your pastor would confront that? And if you're not sure, if you hesitated at all, I will cite for you the title of apparently the only good movie Jordan Peele will make in his career. Get out. Get out. Because what are we doing here? We're a united way with Bible verses. What are we doing here? 
they're literally killing our people. They're literally soul murdering our people. They're literally damaging our people and we got nothing. Nothing. Because as Augustine said, there are many sheep without, but many wolves within. Does your pastor know part of his job description is to shoot the wolves, to feed the sheep and shoot the wolves? Jesus does not charge St. Peter with, feed my wolves. Feed my sheep. Does that answer your question? And then some. I'm going to combine the next two questions, but I do need to read a passage to help set it up. It's from the book. It's impossible to please God without faith, so we better know the truth in order to receive God's grace. There's those two words, truth and grace. Too much grace for the sake of truth makes us lazy, lenient, and lackadaisical. Too much truth for the sake of grace makes us cold, callous, and condemning. So here are the questions one after the other. How does your sense of the balance of grace and truth in your own faith life compare with that of the world at large? How much are you part of the problem? Why will fixing such problems automatically lead to a more aggressive church? What is it about grace and truth that is anathema to always playing defense in a rogue culture? Those are some potent questions right there. Thank you. And I think the answer to these questions is an observation you made on our show about a month or so ago, Todd, that that frankly I have been using a lot in my own just private discussions with people in my own personal life. What's happened here? So, So Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And his answer is to love the Lord your God while their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's quoting from Moses. But then he, without prompting, adds the following. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. What we have done in the modern American church is that is not the second. It's 1A or 1B, or it shares a, it, it shares number one, or it is number one. That in other words, how I love my neighbor as I love myself dictates whether or not I love God, although my heart, soul, strength, and mind. Wrong. That's wrong. It is the other way around. It is the fact that I love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind that now gives me the standing and ability to understand what it means to therefore love my neighbor as I love myself. That I forgive, and I'm sorry, Barry, that it took me 20 years to forgive Barry Sanders, okay? But I forgive because God forgave me. I hold accountable because God holds me accountable. I don't condemn but I do convict, right? There's no longer condemnation in Christ Jesus, meaning I can't, I can't spend eternity separated from my Savior. I can't be condemned. But hell yeah, if I do bad stuff, I can still be convicted. Jesus sits on the cross and one of the thieves confesses his lordship. Jesus doesn't say, bless this man. He's instantly paroled. The first step act, empty the prisons. No, today you'll be with me in paradise. How's he going to get there? How's that guy going to get to paradise, by the way? How's he going to get there today? He's dying today on a cross for being a criminal. That's how he's getting there. So he's getting convicted, right? Indeed. He will be convicted of what he did. 
he will be convicted. And if you're at Mediaite, that's a hint of unhinged, not the other day on the Jesse Kelly show. He will be convicted, but he will not be condemned. He will be welcomed into paradise, and his path of getting there is to suffer and die for the sins that he, the crimes he committed according to the civil law. But he won't be condemned for all of eternity for them, but he will be convicted. There will still be consequences, just no condemnation. Are you the first, when your children are in trouble, dad, no matter what it is, they're in a back alley, they're cornered. Are you the first person they call? Because they know you'll have their back. And then at the same time, though, are you the last person they want to disappoint? That's how you know if we're walking that balance or not. Are you the first person your kids call when they are in trouble? And then also, though, are you the last person they want to dare disappoint? We have everything we've done as a church is to avoid a confrontation. Everything. That's why a lot of your suburban megachurches have no men's ministry or no vibrant one because the men won't get together all the time just to talk. Sooner or later, someone's going to be like, I got a lawn to mow. I got a wife to impregnate. I got a company to run. So all this stuff we're kvetching about, are we going to do anything about this or not? And then, then the pastor doesn't want you going to him and saying, what are we going to do about this? So let's just not have a men's ministry and then we don't have to worry about it or, or you know, have a joke of one. Everything is done to demasculize. Everything is. Because men live in a habitat naturally in our natural state of confrontation. That is why Jeremiah had to say to the Jewish men, don't rebel because you're rebelling against God. He had to hold back their masculine instincts. In our time, we're like, what's a masculine instinct? What would that be? Does anybody know? Oh, hey, my wife's going to the school board meeting again. Cool. What's the Tuesday night NBA game? Does that answer your question? It does. Okay. I'm going to skip to the last one because I absolutely want you to address it. Are you afraid of taking a stand because you'll be exposed of past or ongoing sin? Or do you think a willingness to boldly serve the cause of Christ just might be what you need to move you beyond your sin struggles? In other words... Why do you think we don't struggle with temptation as much when we're actively serving Christ as we do when we're actively serving ourselves? I think this is very important for the era in which we live because <clears throat> nobody has nobody has a perfect search history in the, era, in the era in which we live. Nobody has a perfect record. Nobody grew up in a family without any dysfunction. Um, what, what is the, the systemic deconstruction of Judeo-Christian Western culture affects every household, every soul to some degree. And so what the enemy tells you is that that means, you know who does a great job with this? Our colleague, Jason Whitlock. He does a great job confronting this, what we're about to talk about with his own past. What the, what the enemy will tell you, and you'll believe it because it is kind of true. That's why you'll believe it. That's why you'll believe it. That's why it's effective. He will come to you and tell you, you can't speak out on that. Strippers and hoes weren't just a rap song to you. It was a way of life. You have no standing to stand up to any of this. Who are you to be a standard? And you know what? The reason why that will keep you handcuffed 
is because it's actually true. Not in the context that the enemy means, of course, but it is true. None would choose him. None are righteous, not a single one. It's not about you and me. And thank God for that. Give me a God who appoints, who lets the guy who said, the reason I didn't go to Vietnam is because I stayed home to avoid STDs. Donald Trump, that's going to be the guy that's going to overturn Roe for you. I like them apples. The guy who's hitting it every chance he gets at the Canaanite brothel, he's going to be the guy that is going to be plunging the Canaanite uh, temple to Dagon, the fish demon. He, uh, he's going to be the guy plunging that puppy into the dirt. Like that one? I got more for that. Because it's not about us. If we sat around waiting to see who was qualified, nothing would happen. That doesn't mean that there are no moral disqualifications. I'm not morally qualified to be a pastor. That's why I've never tried to be one. You do need a better person than me. Certainly a more patient one. So there are special designations within God's economy and kingdom that do require a different level of moral qualification. And Paul's very clear about that, right? Yeah. That's why I've also never, the churches I've attended never tried to be an elder because I don't think I'm qualified for that either. But that doesn't disqualify you from being the priesthood of every believer. That doesn't disqualify you and I from living up to the, the, the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not when you're perfectly morally delivered from all of your temptations. Now go and spread my message. Is that what Jesus said? No. That's not what he said. Read Amos and you'll get that. Uh, men, if you're waiting to have a, to get married and grow up and have babies until there's enough money and you're ready, I promise you it'll never happen. There's never enough money and you're never ready. Ever. You're never ready and there's never enough money. Period. So just get over that now and grow up and do uh, your job and get with doing the most rewarding thing you'll ever be a part of in your entire life now. Stop waiting until you're ready. Now, there's common sense there. Like, I'm in a 12-step program right now kicking an addiction. I'm not ready. We would agree. You're not ready. Correct. Okay. Have some friggin' common sense, man. Okay? But often... It's those obvious things when we say we're not ready or we're not qualified. We're not talking about those obvious things. We're talking about everything. It's not about you. It's about him. So yeah, understand that there are certain things you you may be morally disqualified from. That doesn't mean you still don't have a role to play. You don't have a stance to take, a battle to fight, a family to lead. Because you're never fully delivered. You're never fully ready. You want to know when you're fully delivered? When you've, when you've fully made it? When you're dead and you wake up and the words you hear are, well done, good and faithful servant. That's when you're fully done. That's when the project known as you, that they're working on in heaven, that's when it's completed, is at that moment and not a minute before that. You're never fully ready. And what I have actually found is the things I'm tempted by, I'm much more tempted by them when I am indulging myself as opposed to when I am serving him, right? Like when I am on a platform, when I speak at a church, 
I'm not tempted with lustful thoughts of the women in the audience. I'm in the zone. I'm tempted of lustful thoughts of women, of, of women when I'm doing my own thing on my own. Few people are like, oh man, I did this mission trip to this third world country and came back with a porn, an online porn habit. Probably haven't heard that testimony very often, right? Not to my because knowledge. you're what you're doing is far more meaningful than whatever else you were doing before. And that and the things of this world don't matter nearly as much, if at all, in those moments. And so we end up creating a feedback loop of our own temptation by here that this is the paradox of your faith. You create a feedback loop, a loop of your own temptation by waiting until you think you're ready to serve him. And then you never fully do with, which then just keeps you mired into your own temp with the things that tempt you. Like you never rise above it. You never get beyond it. You stick with it because you're never ready. So I'm never ready. So I don't ever step out. And since I don't step out, I'm never ready. And I just keep stepping in it. First sermon that Jesus preaches coming out of the wilderness in the gospel of Luke, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah about the ministry of the Messiah to free the captives, to bind the brokenhearted, to recover sight for the blind. You're not supposed to sit there in those chains, buddy. Those chains have been broken. Start acting accordingly. Just as a quick follow-up to what I was just saying before we move on to three non-political questions. I got this note from Pamela Malinovsky. And she says, hey, Steve, this might be a weird request, but my husband, Mark, and I just had our firstborn, a boy named William, this Monday, July 25th. Congratulations. He loves your show. I'm guessing the husband, the son might be a little young. Uh, he loves your show and, and the blaze and values you guys greatly. So a shout out from you for meeting this milestone of fatherhood. It'll give him a boost of energy to get through the sleeplessness and make his month uh, even more of a blessing. So here, Mark, if you are listening now or later via podcast, congratulations. Welcome to the coolest thing you'll ever do in your life and consider this your shout out. And you want to know what also makes this cool? That your woman respects you so much for, for the role you play that she's requesting public recognition for it. That's... Brother, that's the, <laughs> that is the feedback you want, not a shout out from me, okay? You want the fact that your woman respects you so much that she's like, my man deserves to be recognized. That's the shout out, brother. So congratulations uh, to that family. Let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. 
Brought to you by our friends, or question one anyway, brought to you by our friends over at Eden Pure. Whether it is a sweaty teenage boy about to start football training camp after two months of football workouts, or having all your buddies over to play poker once a month, and one of them is literally human flatulence. I have put these Eden Pure air purifiers to the ultimate test here, not counting my own um, stenches. I want to make it look like my own, uh, you know, what doesn't stink, right? So I've put this thing to the ultimate test in our home, and these things stuck the landing. If you want to give them a shot, you, they come in packs of three. They're filterless, all right? So you won't have to spend a bunch of money forever replacing the filters. Uh, they have proven oxy technology. It quickly destroys things that are infecting your air from viruses to odors, mold, and so much more. Uh, and if you want to try them, they come in units of three. You can get all three units for under 200 bucks. That's $200 in savings. If you get to, if you get them at EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, use the discount code Steve3, because they come in packs of three, get it? Use the discount code Steve3 at EdenPureDeals.com, and you'll get free shipping as well. Aaron. Question number one, what's something that's harmless? What's something that's harmless that you may be addicted to, but you would rather people not know about? And I can start first if you okay. guys need to think about this for a little bit. We went down to Dallas last week. Went down to Dallas last last week. I remembered to bring basically everything except for one thing. And boy, by Friday afternoon, I was really jonesing for that something. And that would be Burt's Bees. I forgot to bring my chapstick. My lips hurt real bad, Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, I forgot to bring my Burt's Bees down there. In July. In, in July. In, um, and, and during the show, the second hour of the show, I'm just like, like every five minutes doing Sarah's show, trying not to like lip my, lick my lips all of the time. That's something I'm definitely, definitely addicted to. And if I don't have my fix like every 15, 30, 45 minutes or so, uh, things get bad real fast. Is that one of the least masculine moments in the history of this program? I told you we could make you forget about your birthday. <laughs> Don't you wish you still didn't know that? I'm not sure mine's going to be much better. Do you want to go first? Please tell me the next commercial hit is Bonner Private Wine. <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go next, I should say. Um, there's this account on YouTube... This is so pathetic, man. I think it'd be good if a lot of you just ended the show at what I did last segment. Or, or treated what's about to happen as a separate show, okay? There is an account on YouTube called SG1 Sports. And... <laughs> I know where this is going. Do you know where this is going? Yeah. <laughs> what what this guy does is he takes the old NCAA football game and every year he updates the rosters manually himself. And then he simulates the season. And he puts them together on 60-minute videos where you can go... <laughs> I can't even finish. I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> you should have seen the... <laughs> I just figured out where I was going and... I don't know if I can finish the look you just gave me. I'm so disappointed in myself. 
by this time of year, man, I'm so jonesing for games. It's true. I can sit there like after everybody goes to bed for like two hours just watching the whole 2022 20, season get simulated. Watching a simulation. I'm watching a simulation of it. The other day, I watched the Michigan-Iowa game. And we ran a screen pass on third and nine, and I got so pissed. <laughs> I yelled out alone in my basement, what, what kind of play call was that? And I had to stop myself and remember that it was a video game simulation. Does Mark Malinowski still want that shot? <laughs> yeah. Love how that's how we let off this segment. Todd, you're up. Go ahead. Um, I like potato chips too much. <laughs> Especially the sea salt and vinegar ones. <sighs> I like those quite a bit, actually. Too, that was but. such a lame answer. Oh, my goodness, Todd. At least I, embarrass yourself a little bit. You knew he was coming off the top rope on us after what we, you, you and have, I just pulled. I should have made him go first, actually. You should That's have. my fault. Yeah, you gave him... You gave him been chapstick in July, and I gave him I watch video game simulations. So there you go. It would have been the same answer. I'm wow. Got to recover. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one. All right. So uh, question two, brought to you by our brand new line of Blaze TV socks. We've got a whole new line. Uh, you know, last year we did the whole Let's Go Brandon socks. Now we've got a whole new line of patriotic socks available to you. My favorites are the Klaus Schwab. Um, you'll eat the bugs. I like those ones the best. Um, but uh, there's a whole line of these. You can see a sample of them right now up on the screen. Uh, and you can get them 100% pro-American messages and American-made. And you can get them with the promo code Dace Socks. my name, D-E-A-C-E. Promo code Dace Socks right now. You'll get 20% off your purchase when you buy them at blazesocks.com. Order your limited edition patriotic socks today at blazesocks.com and use the promo code Dace Socks to get 20% off. Question number two, what is the greatest non-military, industrial, or commercial accomplishment in American history? And it can't be a theory, it can't be a, has to be industrial or commercial. It has to be something kind of physical. Oh, it has to be industrial or commercial. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the assembly line. And I don't know if that's the best answer, but you know when you ask me these things that have broad no, just, scopes, yep. I just go with the first thing that comes to mind. And I'm going to go with the assembly line because I think it essentially won the Industrial Revolution. It 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 helped. It, it was more of a factor in creating the first truly um, vibrant and perpetual middle class in all of human history. Uh, and... By, by the time we get to 1950, Detroit per capita is the richest city in the United States of America. Consider that factoid and nugget compared to where Detroit is at today. So I'm going to go with, the, with, with Henry Ford in the assembly line. That's a good answer. Can, what was the language you chose again? Is it Non-military, commercial, or industrial accomplishment in American history. Okay, I just wanted to see how value-specific this was, or if it, could, if it could even be the most important could possibly be negative. I didn't. I, a lot of times I, I, I have the answer that comes in my head revolves around the specific language you chose. Whew. 
um, because one thing that came to my head, and it's, it is the cotton gin, because it, Eli Whitney and the cotton yeah, gin, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, that too. It's yeah. not just purely agrarian, but ultimately uh, how that uh, impacted uh, those uh, um, black workers. Uh, who uh, were enslaved and what it meant. It just had a lot of moving parts, not just literally, but uh, figuratively. I mean, you could say that that was the singular greatest um, answer pre-industrial revolution or pre-modern modernism, modernism pre-assembly line mm -hmm. would have been the cotton gin. You mm -hmm. could say that, sure, yeah. I think... Now, there's always um, there's always the notion that this bypassed a lot of smaller towns. It's kind of the movie Cars kind of has a the whole theme is kind of around this. But I think it's the inter interstate highway system. This country, yeah. When you think about the and it's it's hard to grasp. You think about the diversity. I mean, we have got to be the most diverse terrain country in probably in the entire world, maybe Russia, but I don't even think Russia has to deal with the tropics of Florida versus the uh, rainforests of Washington state and the uh, hot deserts of the Southwest and the 14ers of Colorado. And to traverse this country, crisscross all, uh, all the way from coast to the coast and border to border, um, just an incredible accomplishment and something that I enjoy about this country outside of, you know, obviously the creed upon which it was founded is just knowing that I can get on I-80 and if I just keep going west, if I own a good vehicle or even a decent vehicle and I've got my driver's license, I can legally go uh, and end up, you know, on, on the west coast and see the ocean if I want to. Just is hop that, on any any road, and you know eventually, if you just keep on going and you follow the speed limit, nobody can stop you. It, I, it's it's a it's a it's really maybe one of the greatest examples of uh, physical freedom we have here hmm. in the United States. Other than winning wars, is that the greatest modern government achievement or the greatest achievement so. by American yeah. government in the last century or two? Yeah. yeah. All right. Question three brought to you by our friends over at Real Estate Agents I Trust dot com. We've got. Thousands of agents, Glenn told me this last week, we got thousands of agents waiting in line right now to get added to our database, looking for people just like you. Why do we have thousands of agents? Well, because we have a pretty big audience, so we reach a lot of people, but also because uh, uh, they, they've got to get vetted first. We have to verify that they're, they're worthy of being included first. And so if you want to get involved in the real estate market during these unprecedented times. Bing. I literally just watched a video a second ago as Aaron was talking of Joe Biden saying, everything is perfect and it doesn't sound like a recession to me. And then he walked off without taking questions. Straight up. I just watched that. All right. So in these unprecedented times of being uh, unprecedented Bing. gaslit, Bing. Bing. yes, make sure you go in with an agent that you can trust from the beginning to the end of the process. And we can help you probably find one just about anywhere you want to move to or get away from. Uh, if you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, head over there right now to realestateagentsitrust.com. Final question, question three. You're the commissioner or czar of college football. After having seen what you've seen over the last three or four years, what are the first three things you do? I'll let you answer this first. If I'm, wow. You need some time. I've got mine. Is, right, you, well, go you, first, just, then. you just gave me a level of power that you know I would just 
I figured your answer something. would be the longest. That's why I went to you no, first. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, get rid of the transfer portal. I would um, say screw Title Nine and pay players, just because I think the culture right now it's untenable not to in the long in, in the long run. And then three, I would actually put the conferences. I would maybe get rid of the Pac-12 or the Big 12, four major conferences, and then I would guarantee with the TV ad revenues and everything that the uh, other conferences as well uh, beneath them, the uh, group of five or group of four, whatever they end up being, I would make sure that they continue to get a, a cut of that because the entire ecosystem of, of college football, actually the smaller schools really do the FCS schools and the group of five schools um, in terms of player development and opportunities, do they produce that much revenue? No, but they are like the farm systems for the bigger teams, but make sure that those are taken care of as well. You want to answer now? Well, I would, um, in, in many ways, the easiest answer would be I would just go back to the past because it was infinitely better than this. These, I would not allow the, what are, these aren't conferences that are being made they, in no way, shape, or form. They are simply TV deals. They're not conferences. Yep. You would to have conferences, you would not be able to have more than a certain number. You would have to play all of the teams in your conference. And uh, in terms of a preseason schedule, there would be a mathematical math number that would not be complicated that you would have to hit in terms of the teams you schedule. So you could not be uh, Alabama and playing, you know, Southern Alabama or something like that. Those games are stupid. You would not be able to go below a certain ranking and play them and be eligible to play in the postseason. I don't yet yet I'd, I'd rather have you playing three incredible games if you are uh, of the tier that Alabama or Michigan or anybody like that is and if you, you if you lose if you win two of those and you lose one that you're not out of the national championship running because it's just incredible so the, the, these are not complicated things and if we had people in charge of college football who were really worried about the integrity of football we'd have those things so these conferences would you would not be what was going on right now would flat out be illegal. Uh, it, they would not be allowed. Uh, and and I would make clear that the notion that uh, there you have to follow the money, that's not a moral principle. That's repugnant. That's actually a, uh, one of the deadly sins that we're living out right now. Uh, so I would do everything you can to make sure that we're not going to have the live golf tournament. If we really want this to be recognized as a bastion of masculine meritocracy, we can't let it become this this is nonsense we are all going to pay for this we are going to ruin something that we love so here are the three things that i would do oh look we're out of time i did my best America. yes we are out of time yes we only have 30 seconds left we're gonna stick around for blaze tv i'm glad i didn't get to answer that because my answer would have really pissed todd off <laughs> so we're going to get to the overtime and uh, for blaze tv subscribers at blaze tv.com slash dace that's where you can get a discounted subscription today at blaze tv.com slash dace for the rest of you we are back at it again tomorrow noon to two eastern right after glenn beck until then john 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.